or growing. Now, I won't be here next Sunday. I have to speak at our church. Our whole ministry team is at our couples retreat. So my son asked if I could step in. And, uh, but the week after that, Lord willing, if there's not a candidate, etc., uh, I'll be back and we'll pick up where we leave off. But going along or growing is the title of this series. And this uh, title was birthed from a mindset that says, okay, I'm saved, I'm ready, so I've worked with a lot of people over the years who got saved, got filled with the Spirit, and actually felt they had attained all they could attain, and sort of took a non-active position. Just went along with life, going on, just going on. And there are those who feel like over the years they have never really grown in the Lord. Nobody's going to admit that to each other. Maybe a close friend you might, maybe a family member, maybe you would. Maybe you, you, you are that open of a person that you, hey, I haven't, done, I haven't grown hardly any. You know, maybe you would. I don't know. But there is somebody who is aware of those feelings. And that's the Lord. He knows how we feel today. He knows where we are today. Listen, saved, filled the Spirit, etc., etc. We've attained salvation. We've attained His power. We sing about that power today. But what have we done with all of that in the normal course of our day and of our week? Because it was never God's intention, ever God's intention, that we be ordinary Christians. The way God has set up his word is that we would become extraordinary Christians. Christians that really make a difference. And by the way, I don't walk with you during the week. You don't walk with me during the week. But, no, so no one's judging that you aren't or are, or good if you are, but no one's judging if you are. I, I don't know you during the week. You know, let, let's be very practical today. Super duper, 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 duper practical. It's easier to let it all come out in a church service when we're all together addressing the same thing, God, having a great time of fellowship. It's easy to do that until you walk out and you go home to the humdrum of life. How active is it, going, is it then? How active is it then? Go, kind of go back to that revival chart I gave you, the 25 things to, to look at to know if you're walking in revival or not, you might want to go back and do a recheck on the check that you had on those little boxes and, and ask yourself the question, am I walking in revival? Is there, is there a, a bounce in my step? Is there, is there excitement and victory in my walk? I, I don't know what it's like for you during the week. You know, I, I'm assuming good things because I don't know you. But God does know us. Uh, I, I think I've seen so many Christians become very satisfied where they are. They're content and satisfied where they are. And there is that thing of satisfaction versus being dissatisfied. Uh, our quiz coach years ago when I was in high school, 
we had Bible quiz in Michigan. Our team was good. We took second in the state of Michigan in our Bible quiz, but she was our coach. She was a, said to be a professor uh, of a college. She is a professor somewhere in Pennsylvania. We lost track after she left the church and graduated from Michigan State University. But she said something I remembered all these years from high school. She said, the only says, because she was a, she was tough. She was a very demanding coach and uh, in our quiz program. But here's what she said. The only satisfaction we should have in life is a dissatisfied satisfaction. And I thought that was so philosophical. The only satisfaction we should have is a dissatisfied satisfaction. Because what she was saying to us as team members learning the Bible to be in the quiz program, she was saying, don't be satisfied with what you know. Go for more. Don't be satisfied where you are as a team. Do better. So no much how better we were, because we were really good, no matter how better we were, she was never satisfied with that. She wants to be even better than that. Now, take that principle and apply that to Scripture, apply it to Christ. Stop and think for just a moment. Just how much is God satisfied with our satisfaction? That really does matter. How God feels, how God thinks. I spoke at, the, uh, at a class uh, Wednesday morning at our academy. I was a guest speaker for the seniors in one of the classes. And uh, one of the things I hit them hard with, listen, I know you think God's not tangible. You are tangible. I'm sitting in the chair. You're sitting in the chair, I was telling the kids. And, and I said, you, you know, you see each other. You see the team. You see this building. You see the tangibility of life. That's the things that we can see, feel, and touch. And I said, but, and, and you, we, we don't see God, yet in the spiritual realm, there is a spiritual, what I call spiritual tangibility, I told them. Where spiritually, I can see God. Driving down today, I could see God all over the place. If you understand my thinking, he created this beautiful earth of ours. He gave us the sun. He, he just has everything. Oh, I just love reading the Bible about God and how he controls weather, the beautiful things he's created. Uh, it's just beautiful. The, the description of God is so around us. And I told the kids, but it's not tangible. I understand that. But he is there. And it really, and here's what I left with the kids. It really does matter how God feels about what you do, about where you go, about what you become in life. It really does matter how God feels. Folks, today, even though we have a satisfaction level or don't, whatever, the question, does God, is God satisfied with where we are? He's got feelings, too. He has his word. Biblically, it has always been God's plan for us as Christians to continue to grow. And by the way, there's levels of growing. There's speed of growing. Some people grow faster than others. And some it just takes a little longer. Uh, no judgment as long as we're growing, quickly or little by little, as long as we're growing, th that's important. And what does that even look like? Well, well first of all, you've got to have a strong biblical basis for all this. I'm, I'm saying things that I'm going to have to prove to you. I, I'm sure over the years, your pastor did the same thing. Spent years teaching you this. So 
pardon me if I'm revisiting something that you could stand up here and teach yourself. Uh, I don't know that because I don't know you that well personally to know that. So, and, and as life moves on, sometimes things change and, and sometimes people have a step back and they, sometimes they kind of slow down. Sometimes things go a little awkward and backwards for them. And so they find themselves caught. Um, here's what I've heard a lot over the years. I do not know where to read in the Bible. Lord help you if you start off in the book of Leviticus. Lord help you if you start off in the book of Numbers. I don't disrespect those books. I'm okay reading those books. Lord help you, though, when you start reading the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, all the begats. And yet there's some beautiful teachings in all those names. There, in the sea of names, there are some teachings. Don't, don't, don't speed through it because you'll miss the important teachings broke up in some of those chapters. But, uh, no, don't, God wants you to read those books. That's why he wrote them. But go to the books of the Bible that is going to immediately speak to you without having to memorize 800,000 names. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and I think some people have started off sometimes in the place in the Bible that discouraged them because they didn't understand what they were reading. So, and I understand that could be hard, Okay. Here's the second thing I heard. I do not understand the Bible when they do read it. They don't understand it. And uh, I know one thing my dad would say to me, son, I, 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 he read the Bible all the time, read it through all the time, and he said, I just can't remember what I read. I said, I, I know, dad, but you will remember, and it would come out of his mouth. It'd come out, you know. Uh, my son said to me one day, he said, Dad, I just, this was before, while I was going to Bible school, he said, I just feel like I don't know enough. I said, you, you know more than you think you know, and you will know it. And, and today he stands in the pulpit and he, he just delivers. Because the more you read the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, the more it's getting into us. Just because I can't remember what I read, Two days later, <laughs> the two days before, depending on what it was and where I was in the Bible, all the names, I didn't remember those names. But here's the beautiful thing, because it's in me, there's something for God to work with. You see, there's, we're giving God something to work with. So that when he told the disciples before he left, he says, I will bring back to your remembrance. The Spirit will bring back to your remembrance. He would give us the words to speak. The Spirit would give us the words to speak. We know that. Here's number three. Believe it or not, I would hear this. Do not have time. You know, I was watching a, a basketball game last night. North Carolina and Arizona. My wife's out of town. She, I go, I'm picking her up this afternoon. She's been at a conference in Texas. And... Uh, so I was watching the game, and I said, I stopped, and I said, Lord, this is heartbreaking. These, these, these guys are, this, this place was packed, packed. North Carolina Stadium, it was packed. They did lose the game, and but it was packed. Listen, you, you know, every time a basket was made, thousands of people screaming and yelling, jumping up and down, whatever. But it was interesting, when there was a foul made, they got all happy because somebody got fouled on their team, so now they got to shoot a free throw. 
And I said, Lord, what's going on today? There's tens of thousands of people screaming and yelling, jumping up and down, wailing their arms. I mean, screaming to the top of their lungs. And we go to church and we can barely speak. Now, maybe they lost all their energy at the game on Sunday morning. I hope they went to church somewhere. They had no energy left. Where's our energy for God? Where's our excitement for God? Now, I, I understand it, it, today was beautiful. It, it, don't get me wrong. Listen to you. I want to say something that's very, very, very important. Very, very important. We don't have to be in a church service, wear on our arms, jump up and down, and screaming and yelling. It's okay if we do. We don't have to because we recognize that there's a deep reverence for God that sometimes just to be a reverent, deep, quiet mood is just as powerful as being exciting and, and shouting unto God. It's just as powerful, folks. When, well, you know, for years I sat on the platform, and, and I don't sit on the platform uh, all the time. It's often not. It was over the years. A lot of years I sat with the people. And I would look at people, and I, I would see a person stand that they might have had tears come down their eyes. And the, the person over here was, yeah, just going to town, having a great time. Do you know I saw that both of them were very genuine? Because... What I knew of the person who stand there with tears, along with the person who's out there shouting and dancing before the Lord, I knew that they, I knew them, and they were good people. They both loved the Lord. You're not any more spiritual if you yell and scream. You're not any more spiritual if you just stand there quietly and cry. We're spiritual if we're walking according to God's word. Whatever our response is, I don't have to prove anything to anybody by the way I worship. I was a pastor who was rather quiet most of the time. <laughs> in 48 years of ministry, I was one of the pastors that was mostly quiet on the platform. I was in deep thought and deep, deep prayer, waiting on God, because I wanted to make really ready, sure I was ready to preach the word. I, I was one that was very quiet before God. And, and my wife, just the opposite. Just the opposite. I told you about the football game, right? Did I tell you about that? When you go see our son's first, ball, first football game? Remember I told you about that? Maybe I didn't. She, she's standing up and down screaming and yelling, yeah! And I said, hun, hun, hun. Right in the middle of a five, six hundred people in the stadium. Hun, quiet down. We're pastors. Quiet down. <laughs> and, and she says, I am not going to be quiet. That is my son on the field. So by the end of the game, I'm standing beside her. <laughs> she won the battle. Uh, but I loved my son just as much as she loved our son. She's yelling, screaming. I just sitting there quietly. By the way, I got to tell you something. This is so beautiful. During that game, that particular game, we went to all of his games. I think even out of town games, uh, not out of state games, but out of town state, Delaware. We went to the games, and uh, I, I remember one time people are screaming and yelling, and I hollered out, "Aaron." With all those people yelling and screaming, he heard me and he looked at me. And I gave him something to do with his arms in the game. And, uh, and so he heard me, he looked up. And there's a lot of people yelling and screaming. You know what that tells me? In the midst of the storm and all the noise, God will hear our cry. He'll hear our, he'll hear our voice, folks. He will hear our voice. So... Uh, Let's not judge somebody who doesn't show that 
they're very spiritual because the one who's not shown as much of those movements could be as spiritual, if not more, than the one who's the. It just, just be genuine. That's all. I never discourage that people if they want to ram around the chest, then go ahead. Just know it's God. If you want to jump, scream, yell, go ahead. Just know it's God. And, and, and of course, make sure it's at the proper time, too, you know, at the proper time. Now, do not have time? Are you serious? We have time to watch 78 hours of TV. I don't, but people do. So, so don't say you didn't have time to read your word. And get into a place in the Bible where you will learn something. Because it does matter how God feels. It does matter. So I have the answer to all three of those concerns and the others we heard, but those were the top three we heard. Oh, there is one more. When I would counsel people over the years, did you do your homework from Scripture? Did you do your homework? 80% said no. So you want help, but you don't even want to get the help where the help is. I'm not your helper. I'm the messenger to your helper, which is God's word. So here's the answer. It's really a very simple answer. You already know the answer, but the answer is simple. Just read your Bible. Don't worry if you can't remember. God will bring it back to you. And the more you read it, the more you will remember. I've got things photographically. I'm a visual person. You can see that. I'm a very, very, very visual person. I got a notebook this thick of charts and handouts I've done over the years and uh, ready to print out uh, as needed. And uh, so I, uh, I just know one thing. I've got a photograph of mine where certain things are in the Bible and I just turn right to it and there it is because I have read it so much. It gets in you. It becomes a part of you. Okay. Uh, anyways, so in this little mini-series, let's look at what happens or hinders growth from a spiritual perspective. Now, we did talk about one last week, right? We talked about Jesus uh, loved this church. He says, I have this one thing against you. You've lost your first love. So they were a good working church, but they lost their first love. And, and you know what that basically was saying? You know what a love is about between a man and a woman? It's about relationship. What Jesus was saying was, you've lost your relationship with me. You've let your love for me digress. You've set it aside. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate your hard workers. I appreciate that you're busy for, for me. But I still want that love relationship. Remember that scripture in Matthew where it talks about that you, uh, you know, when you stand before God and you say, Lord, can I come in? He says, sorry, I never knew you. Did you ever study the context of that when he says, sorry, I never knew you? It had to do, if you look closely in the context, it had to do with a relationship he was talking about. He was talking about the relationship was not in place, was not intact, was not where it should be. It's interesting. It's interesting. That, that, that God wants a relationship as much as God will have to judge the person who did not have a relationship with him. That should wake us up. He looks at the seriousness of not having a good, strong relationship with him as much as the one who never had one with him 
That is not a good place to be as a believer. That we become careless and laid back in our relationship. So I'm going to give you number two. Not only maybe lost first love, but I'm just going to be bold. Very, very bold. I think we've become spiritually lazy. Now, I don't mean physically lazy. You might be some of the hardest workers on planet Earth. I'm talking about spiritual laziness, where we just go along with life as it is. We're going along. We're doing. But at the same time, we're not doing anything with what's going on inside of us. We're not pursuing stronger ways. Um, number three, which brings us to number three, because <laughs> what could be causing the loss of first love, or what could make us spiritually lazy? We're embattled within. We're embattled within, not knowing how to handle the battle within. That's what we're going to really target in this mini-series. How to deal with the battles within. Now, you may be sitting here today, and I'm not being facetious or sarcastic. I'm being very honest with you. You may be in a place in your life right now that there are no battles going on inside of you. You may be in that place. Praise the Lord. Number two, you may not be in that place. You may be having some battles and struggles going on inside. And sometimes we look at maybe deeper things that we call a battle, but in God's eyes, there could be a lot of battles going on inside, and we're not calling them battles, but they are battles. If, say if, if they're keeping us from growing in the Lord. So a battle could be a lot of things. Financial, relationship, friends, work, boss, whatever, co-workers. There could be all kinds of little battles going on. And if all those little battles, some big, some not as big, are keeping us from a growing relationship with Christ rather than just going along with life, then we really need to stop and take a look at those battles within and start breaking it down. So you have this on your note-taking sheet, and you always flip that sheet over in the back, take more notes as needed. Um, but in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, uh, we see two scriptures here that talks about these battles. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. I'm sure knowing Paul, he'll probably have those up for you. <laughs> just, I don't know. Just, just, I just know this guy. So here's what it says. So I say, walk, say walk, by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. So guess what? If I'm sinning, if you're sinning, there's going to be a battle. Automatic guarantee. Don't even deny it. Don't even try. Don't even try to fool anybody. If you're sinning, you're in a battle. Because we're not supposed to be in a battle of sin. And we'll prove that next week. We're going to show you next week how to prove to you that there should not be the battle of sin going on. How do we handle that battle of sin? So, now there's something very important to see here in these two verses. Extremely important. 
I, make, I need to make sure that I'm calling sin what I know to be sin, what the Bible knows to be sin. That's why I need to read the Bible. Hello? If I don't read the Bible, I don't know what is sin. So I can be doing something that I think is okay because I'm an adult and I can handle it. I'm an adult. No one knows. No one sees. It's not their business. I could control it. I'm okay with it. But, hello, he may not be. How would I know if I don't read it? How will I never know? Pastor, we're just sweet, old, loving people here at this church. We wouldn't ever be like that. Well, only God knows. That's what I said. I don't know your life. You don't know my life. Only God knows. Now, here's the thing. This scripture does not say, say not say, not say, walk by the Spirit and you won't have the desires of the sinful nature. That's not what it said. Now, that, while there's a truth in that statement, that's not what it said. What it said was that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the simple nature. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. It doesn't mean that we'll never have the desires of the simple nature. It says I won't fulfill the desires of the simple nature. Which means, which brings me to the chart that you see, the two circles, that will explain that to you. We'll be explaining that to you. So you'll understand how, how it works inside of our spirit. And we're not going to do that today, but you take a look. There are some differences between the two. Next, this week, in your devotional time, see if you can find the differences between those two charts. Some of them are obvious, and you might not catch one of the other ones unless you look very carefully. All right? So it doesn't say walk by the Spirit and you won't have the desires. It says walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the challenges of simple nature. While we move along, it's clear that we have a responsibility as a responsibility. It's clear that we have responsibility as we move along. I never stop having responsibility. Never. Never stop having responsibility. I have to think that way. I don't know about you. If you've arrived to a level of spirituality that, that's, that, that's that high, praise God. I have to constantly be responsible. I have, because, you, you know, I, I think the devil throws a lot of things at our minds. He does. And it wasn't because you were doing anything wrong. You weren't doing a thing wrong. You were rejo rejoicing, having a good time with the Lord, and all of a sudden you, you go about your business and something hits you. Yeah. Yeah. We are not to be negligent in our walk. If battles are going on inside, it's obvious that we have to do something about it. Instead of just going along with it. We have to do something about it. Because we're going to have them. If you're human and you're not innocent, 
I'm not innocent. We're human. We're frail. Only God is absolute perfection. We are all imperfect. Then we are not to be negligent in our walk. I'm not implying that one is intentionally trying to be negligent. Like you're sitting here and you're getting ready to walk out today and you're thinking in your mind while I'm preaching, man, I just can't wait to get home and do such and such. I'm not talking about that. that now we've got a different spiritual problem at hand. I mean, if you're thinking about the sin you're going to commit later, Lord, help you. Get to this altar before you leave. And get that straight with God because the enemy will be out there helping the cause. You know, when God helps the cause, so the enemy helps the cause when we make wrong choices. But when we make the right choices, God helps the cause. Because we've invited him. We've invited him. Again, I'm not implying that one's intentionally being negligent, but cannot understand what's happening. Just can't understand what's happening. Have you ever known somebody or you been in that place in your life where you just can't believe there's a, well, Lord, I just got done with that battle. Here's another one. You know, I'm going to give, be giving you later in the series the definition of sanctification, and I will bring you a couple more charts to support that black chart in your thing. That's a picture of sanctification. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll find out why, when we get to victory over one thing, why does another one come? It, that's what sanctification is. It's, it's a, sanctification is the secret word for believers. It's a key, key, I shouldn't say secret. Uh, it, it, I use that word differently than how it's normally used. The, I don't mean it that way, but it's a key to our growth. Sanctification is the key to our growth in understanding that. But whatever the reason, the battle, we have a struggling walk rather than a victorious walk. And by the way, can you go through battles and still walk in victory? Yeah, you can. As long as we don't just go along with the battles, but we choose to grow through the battle. We choose to grow through what we're going through. We choose to cry out to God and, and use God to help us grow. So let's get something straight in our walk. We are going to have battling going on inside. Again, verse 17 said that. Let me just go ahead and read that verse to you again. Verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that we do not do, or so that you are not to do whatever you want. And that just basically is saying again, we just can't go out and do as we please to do. So the bottom line to begin with, the one I feed the most is the one that will dominate the most. When going through something, am I falling apart? Here's something I would always talk to the people. A good test. I'll give you a good test for your spirituality today, right now. Here it is. When going through something, am I falling apart or am I falling on God? There's a big difference. If I walk out of here and I stood here having a wonderful time with the Lord and something hits me and I fall apart and, and just crumble and you know, really? 
didn't we learn something by now that when things go bad, you don't have to fall apart. You fall on God. We fall on God, church. We don't have to fall apart. I'm in him. He's in me. We sing about I'm his and he's mine. We don't have to fall apart. We just have to fall upon God for our strength, our encouragement, our uplifting. So if, if I feed my flesh the most in my life, then that's what will dominate me in my Christian walk, which makes me a person who only is going along. I say, I'm ready. Versus the one that needs to grow out of those things. For the one, if we free, feed the spirit inside of us, that is the one that will dominate the most. And we know what feeds our spirit. Speaking it out. That's what feeds us the most. Look at verse 18 of this chapter. At least write this verse down for, your, for yourself if I didn't give you verse 18. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, none of the old laws have to apply. We are in the Spirit now. The Spirit is what we apply. So he says, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit. Here, if you are led by the Spirit. And then we get down to verse 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, and because we've been led by the Spirit, let us keep a step with the Spirit. So, you good theologians out there, listen to that. Let's listen to those three things together in these verses. Verses 16 through 25. If we are led by the Spirit... Then we'll keep in step with the Spirit in verse 28. Uh, uh, excuse me. If we live, walk in the Spirit, verse 16, then we'll be led by the Spirit in verse 18, because we're walking in the Spirit, and we have the fruits in verses 22 and 23 to help us walk in the Spirit. Then he says in 25, we will keep in step with the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? If you walk, you'll be led. And when you're led, you'll be in step with the Spirit. Now that is going to cause growth. Oh, that's beautiful. That's going to cause growth. And I'll walk with the Lord. And uh, so I close with this thought because I have to get home and get ready to pick up my wife at the airport in Philadelphia. Uh, and I did, this gives you all a little bit earlier time today than normal. I could, I could go on more, but I, I know it's going to take time to explain, but we'll go into Romans 6 next time. And we'll start taking a look at those, those charts. All right? I'm going to close with three words. Like, I hope we've never felt this way before. If we haven't, I mean, I hope we have. But if we haven't, I hope this will give you a new birthing, a new rethinking. Christianity is work. But I found out, after being a Christian since the age of four, and I did a lot of rededicating growing up, you know, not to stay on track with God. Uh, I want to tell you something. So after 69 years of knowing the Lord, I found out that not only is Christianity work, but Christianity does work. Quit picking on Christianity. I know you don't, but you know people. And you know that around the world, I feel so bad 
for what's going on around the world because it's, don't forget the charts after you leave, couples, all right, in the back. But I, I tell you what I feel so bad about. You remember Idi Amin from Uganda? Remember that storyline? That was very popular when I was a pastor in Olivet, Michigan. And uh, there was a, uh, uh, I, I did some digging on that. I followed that story. And uh, listen carefully, I'm going to say, because there's a misunderstanding today of what Christianity is. That's why it works, and that's why it is work. But there's so many people today that if you disagree, if you disagree with Idi Amin, he considered you a Christian. If you disagree with his regime, he had a torture chamber. And he would take people that didn't agree with him, and he would cut off the body parts in the story and sold them back on backwards. He was a he was a horrific person, horrific person. And there's all kinds of this stuff happening. Something sticky up here stuck my shirt. There's all there's something there's a lot happening around this world that is so ungodly, so horrific. And uh, and there not everyone who there are Christians being persecuted in Iran. Yes, there are. In China, yes, there are. But anybody who disagrees with them are considered Christians. I feel bad for those who have died because they thought they were Christians and they still didn't know the Lord. Many of them do, but many of them don't. And that's heartbreaking. Ladies and gentlemen, there's so many people who have a definition of what Christianity is saying. Listen, there's only one definition of Christianity. Don't listen to people who, who, who call themselves Christian and they have no commitment to God whatsoever. You might, be, you might be a religious person, but you're not a Christian. Don't pick on religion. Religion is a good thing. It's in the Bible. Did you know religion is in the Bible? All right, it's in the Bible. It's a good thing. But there can be a bad religion. There can be bad Christians. There can be bad churches. Because they don't stand for what Christian means. Christian means like Christ. Right, Pastor? To be like Christ. That's what it means. Would now, one more simple thing before we pray. Would Jesus act the way people claim they're Christians would act? Would he do that? Now, let's not be afraid to take a stand for Christianity. It's a good thing. It's a biblical thing. It's the right thing. And it does work. Let's pray. Father in heaven today, we stand before you as a hungry people. We are not satisfied. We want more. We want more, Father. We want to know you more. We want to know you better. Because to the extent that we know you is the extent is where you will use us and you will place us. So instead of just going along with our Christian walk as it is, waiting for the day that you come, hope that we're rocking in our chair in the right direction when you come so we rock upwards. Lord, just help us to see that to whom much is given, much is required. And that means spiritually biblically, we will be judged according to the knowledge we have. So Lord, here we are, a people that's filled with God, filled with the Spirit, filled with your love, joy, peace, and strength, filled with the gospel, filled with the answer. God, let us not set idle. Lord, let us not set idle. Lord, make sure that we're out there doing something to bring people to a knowledge of you. And that, Lord, that the more we learn of you. And let, let us not, not learn of you because, well, I don't want to get too busy for the Lord. 
I don't want to know too much for you, Lord. I'm afraid I won't be able to know what to do, how to do it. You'll take good care of us. You'll take good care of us. We got that promise in the Bible as well. If we just read the Bible, we'll see all this, Lord. If we read the Bible more and more, we'll see this more and more clearly, Lord. Let us be careful what people say. Let's make sure that what we hear, Lord, make sure that what we hear is biblical. And we don't take hook, line, and sinker. No one should take hook, line, and sinker to what I said today. Everybody should, in this building should go home and check me out. Check me out so they will know wherein this has come from. Lord, undertake, 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 we pray. Help us to grow more and more in you. Not to just go along in life, but help us to grow in you. Thank you, Father. And all God's people prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. And uh, hey, we got done at 12. I got a, it's before 12. I got a scoot. So God bless you. We love you so much.